Welcome to the Future Church Podcast with Anthony Delaney. If this podcast helps you, forward it to others, give us a review and subscribe today. For additional thoughts and resources, visit anthonydelaney.com. So I want to welcome you today to the Future Church Podcast with me, Anthony Delaney. Um, We are so excited to be able to hear in a moment from my special guest today, who is James Ray. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about him and he can tell you a bit more about himself uh, very soon. As those of you uh, regular subscribers will know, and if you're not, you can be, it's dead easy to subscribe. Um, Then what we like to do on the Future Church podcast is to look at kind of what's working, what's not working, what can we do to to make church um, one that makes disciples, who make disciples? What can we do so that we are functioning as the body of Christ in ways that will enable us together collectively to be able to do what no single individual Christian could ever do, um, which is to really present the body of Christ in all its beauty and strength and majesty to the world such that the world takes notice, wants to join and wants some of that. And um, I was just talking to James before this started for a few moments and was saying that, you know, as we get ready for launch later in the year up in Wigan, um, if, you, if you look at launchcatalyst.org, you'll be able to see the d- details of our event that's coming up then, October the 3rd and 4th in Wigan. Um, we, were, we were saying that, you know, in many ways, COVID, whatever we'd built before, came in like a strimmer and just cut down anything that we'd uh, been growing, many of us, for many years. And I, I, I don't think I'm ever going to forget the sight of T.D. Jakes sitting in a massive auditorium and there was just him and like three people and a camera person as he spoke into the camera and the humbling moments that so many great big ministries suddenly had to go, well, what's it all about really? And what am I here for? And what's important? And now as we uh, look to replant, to restart, we have to ask the questions about what can stay, what has to stay, what's what's most important, what could go really. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't define us. It doesn't really help us to be able to do the Jesus mission. What new things have we learned that we realize that actually we've got to carry on doing those things because um, the things that we learned in the hard times are going to take us through the uncertainty of the future. Um, these are some of the questions that we want to ask. And to me, it's a lot of it is about discipleship because if we make disciples, who make disciples, then we're going to get leaders who raise up other leaders. We're going to get churches that plant churches and we're going to have movements for Jesus to happen all over the world. And one such movement is XCC. Um, You may have heard about it. It was featured in the Telegraph um, when a reporter uh, from the Daily Telegraph signed up for this crazy adventure, not really knowing what it was involving, as pretty much the rest of us do, anybody who's done it. And we can talk about, um, I'll tell you a little bit about my own recent experience of doing XCC up in Scotland. Um, but it's probably better to hear that straight from the horse's mouth. So I'd like to introduce Reverend James Ray, who uh, is the uh, the CEO, the director of, um, of XCC here in the UK, and uh, is also on the global board of this movement, which is really um, shaping and helping men um challenging us to step up and be all that god called us to be so we can do the things that he calls us to do so welcome james thanks anthony it's good to be here 
Fantastic. So where are you speaking to me from? Where's home base for you right now? I'm based just outside London, uh, near Watford, a place called Amersham. So that's where I'm calling from now. I've just been trying to fix my UPVC door hinges, which seem to have fallen in the heat recently. So that's yeah. what that's where I've come straight from. And two, I think I've still got some grease on my fingers, but uh, nice to be talking to you. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so I, I, tell me a little bit more about yourself, your background, your family, um, you know, what, what, who, who is in the Ray clan, so to speak. So I'm married to Emiko. We met when we were children at Sunday school. We met at age 12, but she uh, beat me at tennis. And I'm from a family of mostly males. Um, for many generations, only boys in my father's life. And I've got three brothers. And so I wasn't really used to this idea that girls beat boys. And I now realize it happens all the time. Um, and in fact, they seem to be better than us at most things. And so she beat me at tennis. I took a couple of years to get over the shock of that. And we started going out dating at 14. We got married in our early 20s. And we have uh, three sons. We've got an adopted son who's now 27. Uh, his dad died, so I became his father. But we also have two birth children, Samson, who's now nearly 17, and Arthur, who's just turned 12, and has got off on scout camp today. So no phones or no contact with him for five days, and he's off for some adventures on the south coast. Fantastic. Um, so you say that you were brought up as a family of mostly boys. Um, is obviously... Um, you know, you, you you seem to me to be an outdoors guy in many ways, sporty, etc. Is that you? I know that you ended up. Did you be you were a teacher? Were you a sports teacher? Um, you know, what's the kind of story with with all of that? Yeah, so I left school and went straight to another school to begin um, effectively sports teaching, sports coaching, which then became a teacher's role. They sponsored me off to go and get qualified. And um, I became a, a sports teacher, also um, a teacher of theology, uh, sort of religious studies. Uh, and then we got a job um, working in a boarding school where uh, 14 to 18-year-old boys would come and stay for the whole term in the school. Um, and we got a job of looking after them in the evenings, if you like. So they called it a house parenting role or house master is the traditional term but they employed emiko my wife and i as a couple uh, at a school in switzerland in the swiss alps so we moved to switzerland a british boarding school up in the mountains a place called villa which is just the other end of uh, lake geneva from geneva itself and we spent five years up in the alps uh, i did a degree as well in outdoor education so i had always a, a fondness for adventure for the wild for outdoors for um the fun and the mystery and the excitement of the wild places and of course being in switzerland on the side of a mountain teaching people to ski or um, mountain climb or mountain bike or walk or whatever it might be camp was uh was a great great opportunity for us we really enjoyed it but most of all we really enjoyed looking after 50 teenage boys from 14 to 18 and becoming um like second parents to them which is the story behind the, the adoption of the eldest is uh, his dad died. Uh, we got to know him through that process, and so, so now I'm, I'm his dad too. Amazing! That's fantastic. And uh, yeah, such a, a, a god thing. He adopts us into. You know, we're all adopted, aren't we, into his family and, uh, through Jesus Christ? So it's. Uh, I love adoption. I love the concept. I love the the way that the Bible just rates it as being such a, a Christian thing to do. That's lovely. Um, so through that. Uh, you know, I, over the years, I've been a student of um, 
men's ministry in many ways. I've seen some things that work, some things that don't. I've tried some things that seem to work, found out that some of them didn't and some did, uh, because men are different. Um, I've been an admirer of people like uh, John Eldridge, who, um, uh, by the way, I would recommend to anybody listening, the Pause app, which is available for free uh, on the App Store by John Eldridge's um, uh, um, ministry. And on there, there is an amazing little um, journey that you can go on for free uh, called Resilience, where every day you listen to these short meditations. Uh, That's not just for men, that's for anybody. But John Eldridge, as you know, wrote Wild at Heart and a number of other books. Um, And he talks a great deal there about the importance for men of getting outdoors, of of reconnecting with um, who we're made to be. And, you know, in these days, um, it's interesting to, you know, uh, without getting too political around it, you know, we we recognise that men and women, uh, there are men and women, and men and women are different. And that there's something that, for many men, um, there is something about the 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 going and connecting out in wilderness places, um, in the beauty of the uh, the God's creation, and reconnecting with something of who we were made to be. So, um, you know, how how do, what's your kind of thoughts around around some of that in terms of you know obviously you, you it's a way that you connect. Do you think that's something for most blokes, everybody? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, it's such a complex issue, isn't it, to try and talk on behalf of whole groups of people, whole genres, whole genders of people. But I know uh, for sure that I am a man uh, and I know that I enjoy being outside. I know that I find challenge uh, exciting and I know that um, adventure is good for me. So from my own perspective, I look at this journey and think, well, that's a good thing for me to do. It's physically good to be tested there's something um, hugely rewarding and stimulating about having your body physically tested. Uh, but it doesn't even have to be crazy. The other day I went for a um, to, with my son for his birthday party to a place called Liquid Leisure near Windsor. And it, the whole thing is like a big blow up kind of assault course. You might have seen this sort of ninja warrior or something. And you have to put on a, a buoyancy aid and go crashing around. I, I love the fact that the staff there were really um, switched on in terms of how they managed the risk. They allowed you to, 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 to have fun, to dive about, to uh, push each other in and off without becoming too um, risk adverse about it. But one of the challenges was to, to um, climb to the top of one of these inflatables. It was quite tall. It was probably 10 foot tall, 20, maybe 15 foot tall. And um, the bottom bit had collapsed and burst. So the air had gone out of the platform that I guess you stood on and then began your climb. So now we tried to climb from the water. And there were just these handholds on the side of the blow up inflatable dome. Uh, and they were just um, literal, almost tubes sticking out. And you grabbed hold of them and pulled yourself up. And I realized how weak I'd become. I've turned 40 a, few, a year or two ago. And I realized I, I used to relish this kind of challenge of real physical pull-ups, of being able to pull myself, drag myself up over things. Hmm. And in the process of doing that, I realized how I found, I found it really hard. And I must have fallen in 10 or 15 times. I had to keep going off and doing other things to have a rest, let my arms rest and coming back to it to try and climb up. My uh, younger son, the 16-year-old, got up and uh, sat on top and he was sort of goading me initially, then encouraging me to try and try again, try again. 
Um, and eventually I managed to pull myself up and over the top. And it's just a sense of, of thrill, of, ex, of, of adrenaline, of excitement, of being able to do some physical challenge that was tough. Mm. Um, in this sense, meaningless, but actually for me, it became meaningful. It became a challenge. But also at the same time, that one of the healthy things about a challenge like that is that check you get in yourself, which I definitely have, which was, James, you're not as strong as you used to be. And I also thought for myself specifically, I think I'm not as strong as I want to be. I, I don't want to be superhumanly strong, but I do want to be able to pull myself up out of the water, hand over hand, even if it is only two or three grips before I can get my feet on to climb. And mm. so I took it as a little check that I need to go back and do a few more exercises, a bit more regularly, uh, maybe lose a bit of weight, eat a bit less, move a bit more to keep myself active. So the first thing I want to say about around going outside for men, I think, is this sort of physical element. But then the second part is the bit uh, often overlooked and much harder to measure. But that's the sense of well-being. I, I think you remember during lockdown, during COVID times, we were all uh, allocated, allowed one kind of sanity walk outside a day or whatever the, whatever the um, prescription was. But I think that comes from a place of people recognizing that it's important that we get outside of our environment into different mm -hmm. environments and that exercise does something for the mind as well as the body. And so there's that sense by which also for men, there's a space, uh, uh, there's a freedom in their space. Also, there's a sense by which being outside can unlock things inside. And then finally, I think that also nature is a beautiful um, teacher, a beautiful instructor in terms of the, of the spiritual, of the divine. Uh, Henry Nouwen wrote that he thinks that God's first expression was to create the beauty of nature of the outdoors. And I think in the outside, you see something of the wild, unfiltered, untamed um, power, presence, beauty of God. And so I think for those three reasons, especially, it's good for men and, and everybody, but especially men, to go outside. Fantastic. Yeah, and I love the thing there about being with your son. Um, as you probably aware, you remember from the XCC that I did, one of the greatest things for me was that I did it with my son, Joel, who's in his mid-20s. Um, so there was about 30 guys from Ivy who came along, um, went up to Scotland, and I was there with my son, Joel, and we shared a tent. And, um, you know, there's something about, I don't know, smelling each other's farts in the morning and kind of having like just the sort of proximity to one another, which... You know, you kind of, if you're in a tent with somebody, uh, you know, you, you kind of, especially when you're absolutely exhausted, um, you know, there was an occasion, I won't go into the detail of this, and we're not going to talk too much about the actual what happens on XCC, because I know that one of the, the values behind it is it's an adventure and and, the, and there's something about the unknown. And if we just talk about everything that happens on there, then that goes. And to me, that's one of the most precious things about it. But I can say for anybody, it will be physically challenging for just a, for anybody, I think, who wants to do it in, in different ways. And if you don't find it physically challenging, that's probably because you're not helping anybody else who needs some help um, as part of a team. But, yeah, with Joel, I remember one night we came back and we were putting up the tent. And I'm rubbish at stuff like that anyway. I'm the least practical bloke you could ever meet. I'm I'm not good at things like putting up tents, even when I've, my brain is working. And when I'm tired and hungry and just want to get into the tent, and now we've got to make the tent. And Joel's like, Dad, no, stop it. Don't put that in there. Take, you know put it over here, move it over there. And and there was something humbling again, about, even though he's my son, he's in his mid-20s, he's still my son, and he's telling me what to do. 
But then just to be in that proximity and for us to walk together and talk together. And, you know, those kind of close relationships, fathers to sons, are something that I think are very uh, precious and something that's missing for a lot of men. You know, a lot of men didn't have a dad that did anything with them. Um, And there's a gaping kind of wound in, in many men, and it's been identified, you know, people... For many years, Gordon Dalby, who wrote about the masculine soul in the 80s, talked about the father wound. And he said that the only thing that can really um, heal that, he talked about when men get together and do stuff together. He actually said when they're close together, he said there's a kind of, he actually called it the brown ooze. I don't know where that came from. But he said there's something that kind of ekes out of men, especially older men to younger men, whereby there's something imparted by being together and doing something together that is very healing for for a man's spirit and soul. And without it, we don't get healed. He says that isn't something that a woman can provide. Even though, you know, if you have the best mum in the world or great sisters or whatever, it's, it's something in, intrinsic to our to who we are that men need that to, they can only get it in the company of other men. And that's one of the things that I value about XCC. So I don't know if you've got any comments on that, but also just to tell us a little bit, whatever you want to tell us about what XCC is for anybody who might be considering it for themselves, or maybe there's somebody listening, thinking that there's a man they know that might benefit from it. What, what, what kind of thing is involved and what do you see as some of the benefits? Yeah. So I think, we go back to this idea that men um, have caused most of the world's problems. Uh, And that seems to be historically true, uh, empirically true, um, psychologically true, generically true, that we sort of know. I spent a bit of time recently with the police force, and obviously that's your area of expertise as well, and that the majority of the clients, the customers for police officers are men. It's the people they speak to almost all day uh, are the problems are the men. Often they'll be comforting women. Again, not exclusively true, not entirely true, but a gen- general truth. There's also a sense, I don't know when you remember recently, we had some riots well, a few years ago now in, in London, and local uh, mayors and police officers, again, people in authority, were generally identifying that it was the absence of male role, positive male role models that were causing young men to riot and cause disharmony on the street. Again, plenty of women were there, plenty of other, uh, plenty of women were involved. But when we look at the male uh, as a as a, a person in society, so much pain has been caused by men. But whilst that remains entirely true, I don't think it's really fair to therefore put all men on the naughty step. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you remember recently, um, there's a, there was a sense by which one solution to problems were that no men should be allowed outside after a certain time at night, eight o'clock at night or whatever it was. And of, I have sons. And of mm. course, the and, and so do you. And the idea of that is so crazy in my mind, even though I can see that what the heart is to say, will you guys please stop causing us problems? The reality is just to say, well, let's lock all of you up or, or lock all of you down. That will solve the problem is a kind of almost like doing maths, but without actually realizing that it won't work. It's not just that's not going to happen. What actually needs to happen is that men generally, me included, we need to change the way we think and act and do stuff in certain areas. But at the same time, some of what we've been doing for hundreds of years is also pretty good. 
So mm. not all of it is, you know, toxic. If you take this idea of toxic masculinity, not all of it is bad. And also for our children, for those fresh starting, for those looking at their adult life, thinking, right, I'm about to kind of become somebody of, of uh, with some power, whether it just be a job or money or, or decision making. How do we help them make good decisions? How do we help them uh, be positive role models? And so to, to actually kind of put all males on the naughty step is not really the right way. Uh, but equally, nor is it the opposite to say, well, then we need to sort of soften everything that's male to make it much more generic and perhaps to make it more feminine. So I, again, I don't know whether there's big arguments about what male and female is, but there's a lot of alignment around what masculinity and femininity is. And, and I have many areas of my life very feminine. I like enjoy uh, femininity in terms of nurture. Uh, that's where I want to care for things and look after things. I'm quite into my garden at the moment, find myself being very caring about watering. We've got a, pu- a dog who is a puppy and very caring about taking it out. So it's a real nurturing sense, which is often aligned with a feminine attribute. Mm. And then the more masculine attributes t- tend to be empowering and that kind of pushing out there, go out there, take risks. So again, women, females can be very masculine and feminine and males can be masculine and feminine. So what we start to see is that these traits are not exclusive. But generally, men are uh, in environments where they're called to, to empower. And what you're talking about in terms of fathering is this sense of empowering, saying, go for it. I see this in you and I want you to go and do it. And often, and studies have shown that often where there, there's an absence of male role models saying those things of go for it, I believe in you, I yes. think you can, that the society starts to crumble, even if that is offered elsewhere. It, it, even if it's lovingly offered elsewhere, if it's not offered by male role models, it, the society starts to crumble. And so what we're doing is to, to try and take men outside in the wilderness and say, you can. Do you realize how incredible you already are, that you already have so much in you and about you that's fantastic? And one thing we want to do is draw out some of that stuff. We don't do it, as you know, in a way that's competitive because it's at a very pointless to try and match man against man and say that this is going to be beneficial for both. It's mm. normally only beneficial for one, if that, and probably detrimental to both, actually, because we end up fighting each other around things that don't matter. But what we tend to do is face challenges together and go on an adventure that is challenging and then say to the men, I bet you didn't realize how resilient you were. I bet you didn't realize how tough you were. Let's see. But also along that process, the, the, the brokenness, the damage, the wounds, the, the ignorance, the naivety, the selfishness, the pride, so that just starts to bubble up, just starts to surface out. As you said, you start, you get to the end of a long day and you need to put your tent up and the worst of you starts to come out because you just want to go to bed. And then your son happens to be more proficient at it at you. And that's a it's a, a prideful thing to deal with, to think, I thought I was the father, and now I'm being taught by the son. Mm. But I would say that it's those moments that are created so beautifully, naturally in the, in the wild that actually rebalance us and remind us that there's a transition going on for you. You know, I know Joel enough, and it was beautiful watching you both together. It's a really powerful moment seeing father and son helping each other. But he's becoming now the dominant male if you like and you soon one day uh you know maybe a bit further down the line for you obviously but he'll start to be the one that looks after you and says dad i'm going to start making the decisions for you because i'm going to be better at that and so in life we transition to the through and tr- uh to those places he will be and listening think, to this so i, yeah, I okay. think we're going to stop you there before he, he yeah, says oh, it, yeah, i'm going to do what james said and start making all the decisions for you so. Sorry, you, need to, <laughs> you need to put a comment comment in at the bottom but i think the reality is that as we transition sometimes we need to practice that and the wild teaches that gives us that humility but also in terms of my stuff the stuff that i'm doing that i'm not so proud of the things that i don't really know how to confront but i I want to 
challenge or stop. So for many men, it could be that we're drinking too much. It could be that we're watching too much porn or we're getting trapped in um, doing things we don't want to do, gambling or or wasting money on stuff we, we don't want to. It could be that we're starting to look at the secretary or the, the CEO of our company in a different way and we're starting to try and spend more and more time with them and hang around with them and we know that it's not healthy for us. It could be that we're uh, just hiding from our, our family or from our friends because we're not sure how to talk about the pain of our childhood or the pain of a sickness that we have or a sickness in our family. And all these things for men can be so difficult to deal with. And actually, often we feel like we're alone. And we often feel like we're the only one who's going through that, that I must be the only guy who's really messing it up to this extent. And one of the things that's beautiful about going away with other men is you realize, actually, your problems are maybe not the same as mine, but they're similar. And I'm not alone. You also have struggled with this, or you also have, have battled with that. You've had to put some things in your life that I could probably do with learning from. So could you tell me those? But I'm unlikely just to walk up to you and say, hi, Anthony, please, can you tell me how to have a more appropriate relationship to alcohol? You know, how, how do I just come out with that in a way that makes you feel like you can contribute healthily and not judge me, but also in a way that I don't feel that you're going to just write me off as a complete loser and some yeah. guy that just can't deal with his own life. And there's, there's a really unhelpful phrase, aren't there, for men, like man up and, uh, you know, just uh, grin and bear it, tip, stiff up a lip and all this sort of stuff, which actually creates this sense that men you should already know the answer so if you don't know the answer you're broken and therefore you know you better keep your head down and not tell anyone and actually the opposite is true the opposite is healthy the opposite is saying i'm broken like you where are you broken and let's see if i've got anything that can help you and by the way have you got anything that can help me and then the, the metaphor of that in the mountains for us in the world we go ask people to bring a rucksack and inside the rucksack is everything you need and actually, it's starting to unpack that. Hang on, we need a tent. Well, I've got a tent. Oh, that's good because you brought extra water so you can make me a cup of tea while I put up the tent. Fantastic. We can start to connect. And I think it's about that. I, I recently came across these five truths of adulthood, which they say that unless you learn this, you will always grow old but never grow up. I don't know if you've come across uh, Jordan Peterson talks about the Peter Pan syndrome in men often, that we, we try and stay like Peter Pan forever young, trying to live in this world where we're, we can do what we want and, and essentially be playful and, and irresponsible and not have respons uh, responsibilities. But if you think about the story of Peter Pan, um, he's actually king of the lost boys. And, and actually rea the reality is who wants to be king of the lost? It sort of feels like a strange uh, aspiration. And not only is he that, he's constantly um, battling with this nemesis, Captain Hook, who's also trapped in time and is afraid of the ticking clock of time. And actually, Peter Pan falls in love with, with Wendy, who's the sensible one. But then in his nemesis, he has the Tinkerbell, this uh, fairy who doesn't exist either, but is this beautiful aspirant uh, partner who's like, you're perfect. I'm going to chase after you. But of course, they, their relationship is unreasonable from the start, unrealistic from the start. And, and Tinkerbell doesn't exist anyway. She's a fairy. And actually, the reality for Peter Pan is Wendy is your best hope. But mm. his problem is he won't grow up. And Wendy does. And I think often for us men, we get trapped in that Peter Pan world where we feel like we're still behaving like an 18-year-old in our 40s and 50s. We're still playing computer games instead of putting our kids to bed or whatever it might be. And actually, that's quite typical to male. And so I think the lessons I came across recently, which help us grow up, were these five simple truths, which is, number one, life is hard. Number two, you're not that important. Number three, your life is not only about you. Number four, you're not in control anyway. Number five, you're going to die. Hmm. 
And what I loved about those five truths is that they summarize so much of what we're struggling with and for that actually we can accept those things. We then start to view life, the, what, what years we have left with a different perspective. And often those things of life is hard. You're not that important. It's not all about you. You're not in control. You're going to die. That is pretty uh, much the thoughts that are going through most people's minds as you stand on top of a mountain in a strong wind uh, and the rain, and it starts to rain or snow. And so yep. one of the reasons we take ourselves there is to remind ourselves of those truths. I'm actually not as great as I think I am. I could do with some help. I could do with some humility and some sense of balance. So that's that's the extreme character challenge story in a nutshell, the XCC. That's the big why, really. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, when, where was that? When did you get that five things from? It was actually from Richard Raw from his book, Adam's Return. Okay. Yeah. So I've not read that one. I know that he wrote a book, something to do with men as diamonds, which I thought, oh, he's nicked the idea off me because I wrote a book called Diamond Geezers. And, um, but he probably didn't. <laughs> um, but he, yeah, he's had some interesting things to say. Obviously, I wouldn't kind of go all the way with a lot of his theology in terms of, especially around Jesus Christ and his, how special and specific he is. Um, but I think he's got a lot to say. There's, a, there's some great stuff. I, I love to just throw out books to recommend to people, listeners who are reading it. So obviously, he, he, he Richard Raw wrote, um, wrote a book too, uh, which is about um, falling upwards, and it's about the second half of life and says that you can go through life. A bit like you were saying around immaturity, that you know you can live, a man could live to be 80, but really be still an 18-year-old because it... You know, you've not gone through anything that's actually caused you to mature. And often those things would be unbidden and not unwanted, things that could be a loss or or illness or, you know, some, a big failure. Those things that we think are often the worst thing that can happen turn out to be the things that make us in some way. And, and then, you know, other books like that, as David Brooks, I think, has written The Second Mountain, which I read just before coming in XCC. And again, I won't go into the detail of that too much, except there are mountains to climb when you're doing the XCC. And there was something very powerful for me around, um, you know, it's harder to, he talks about the first mountain that very often we go for. And I think this is so true of men. It's certainly true of me anyway, of, you know, success and how do we define that? And, and there's also kind of external markers for that. But then the second mountain he says his community and being in life together with others. But for me, you know, the, the important thing is Jesus at the center of community. So again, I, I, I love the, the way that, you know, we can, um, you know, it, God can speak to us through different authors and writers and, uh, and all these different inputs as well. But so often what he's doing in, in different ways is, is, he, he, I mean, I realised that when I got to XCC that actually it was this was this was a journey that started for me well before XCC. It started for me even before COVID. It started for me with some of the, some of the things I was struggling with as a man through some tough times here in the church with some uh, leadership difficulties, which led to some relationship issues, which led to some painful rejections and pride being hurt, and how do we deal with that and. And, you know, and then there's books and things that came along the way and, and teachings and podcasts and God keeps on speaking to you, but he kind of brings it effectively to a pinnacle, I'd have to say. And that really was for me. I would say XCC, for anybody listening, in case you're wondering what I thought, was for me one of the, probably the most powerful spiritual thing that I've done. I've been a Christian, well, I've been over about 37 years now. And for me, there's not been anything like it during 
during my most recent times of ministry, even for the first 15, last 15, 20 years, I can't think of anything where I was so impacted by the Lord as doing XCC. And it really is. It's tough, but it's good for your soul. And, uh, yeah, so I recommend that uh, entirely. But, yeah, what, what, you know, what do you think about this idea about the mountains we're climbing, the way things shape us, all those kind of things? I also love that book, The Second Mountain. I've uh, We've built a whole program around it. We did our online course during COVID based on The Second Mountain. The mm. concept that um, also, I, I think he takes it further than just community because I think Derek Brooks argues that ultimately what we find that when we find fulfillment is he actually talks about faith, family, um, friendship, community, and then vocation, a job that gives you inspired. He's talking about those five things being the core of um true fulfillment and i think he's pretty much on it um and i definitely think that life it, the mountain metaphor is so powerful so impactful which is why i think um, it was it hillary famously said why did you climb everest because it's there mm. and it's that sense of we well, there's mountains call us there's a german phrase for that i think it's dashberg Ruft. i think it's the pronunciation where someone someone can german can write in and say no that's wrong um but, but there's the mountain calls it mm. speaks to us and makes us want to come, come in, come in. But of course, um, there's a, there's some power around mountains versus valleys too. That there's this idea that we can't live on a mountaintop experience. Often we want to be at the peak of life and say, and Instagram kind of presents us with, you're, if you're not on a, on a private yacht or, or in a jet somewhere, then you're not living truly, that you need to be living in these mountaintop moments. But the reality is actually life is lived in the valleys. The, the majority of life is lived in in that trudgy, dark, um, difficult, bog standard, ordinary every day, going putting one foot in front of the other. And if we pretend that ma- life is a mountaintop experience, I think we lose the real um, value of resilience in the valleys and realizing that no, no, mountaintops are mountaintops. You can't spend your life out there. You can't live there. They're really inhospitable places to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, like so is social media so is being on you know out there as some sort of influencer who's always at the perfect perfect end of life that's a, a very difficult place to live mm-hmm. sunsets sunrises from mountaintops beautiful moments but they're fleeting they come and go they're supposed to because the reality of life is that we're supposed to live in the valley that's where the water is that's where the shelter is that's where mm-hmm. the pastures are but also that's where the mud is and it's where the grind is and so, again, one of the things of getting out and physically walking those places, it reminds you, I've been selfish. I wanted my marriage to be one, one constant mountaintop. And that when my wife got sick or or when my child got something went wrong at school, I collapsed in the valley. And I didn't know what to do with myself. So I tried to haul myself back to the top of the mountain. Whereas actually my advice would be, what's wrong with the valley? Just walk in the valley for a bit. But of course, you can't stay in the valleys because then you become kind of maybe so quite dark, maybe depressed. You struggle with your mental well-being. Okay, so now put a mountaintop in. Go up to a peak experience. Have some experience. It could just be a holiday. Take a day off. Go for a, you know, go, go for a spa. Do something that gives you some sort of peak exhilaration and then go back into it. And mm. I think that's a beautiful flow of life that we've overlooked a lot because we've argued that Climbing mountains, getting to the top, and staying on summits is where we're supposed to be. And I don't believe that's where we're, we're what we're created to do, or what we're able to do either. Mountain summits, no, very, very, very few people live on tops of mountains. I lived on the side of one for a long time, but very few people live on the top. Launch is back in person this year, just outside of Manchester, taking place on the third and fourth of October. We're really excited to welcome you back for what is sure to be a brilliant two days looking at how the post-pandemic church can be rebuilt 
revived and reproduced. As a Future Church podcast listener, you can get an additional 10% off your ticket when you use the promo code FUTUREChurch, all one word. Visit launchcatalyst.org today and use promo code FUTUREChurch at checkout to get your discount. Yeah, I remember hearing that I think Hillary and Tenzing were only able to stay up on Everest for a matter of like 10 seconds or something before they had to come down and kind of all that work (laughs) for such a fleeting moment of, yeah, it's wonderful, but as you say, you can't. And so often it can seem like that. There's so many things in ministry, just talk about that for a while, I suppose, where I remember years ago when I got invited to speak at New Wine, I was like, I, I, I went around the house and I told the kids and I told Zoe and I said, you're never going to guess. <laughs> I've been invited to, you know, basically when I got there, I, I had like this, semi, this seminar pup tent with like five old people in it and uh, saying, what's she talking about? But <laughs> it didn't matter. I was like, I'm a new wine speaker. You know, I wanted like, you know, to hang around and, and literally. And then, and then it's done. You know, and then, you know, at different points, you do other things. And then maybe there's something else. And the mountain's a bit higher in some way. And you get, oh, you get to do a main stage thing. But then it's like so many of these things, you end up with it afterwards with like a so what, you know. And 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 I think, we again, men, I'm going to talk about it. We can sacrifice so much on the wrong altar. We can just put so much on things that that don't ultimately matter and um so again you know what were you seeing effectively as some of the false summits i suppose that 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 we end up aiming at well i think the obvious ones are money sex and power you know that those things somehow give fulfillment um but i think the other thing is for for anyone listening now just do your own test i actually did this with my son a couple of days ago and he surprised me with his answer um i I, i'm asking you now what what try to think of a pinnacle moment in your life like a a beautiful moment perhaps something you could say if I could magic myself back to a period of life even for for a minute of my life where would you go back to what would you go back in time to and my so I asked my son that what you tell me about it tell me about what, what you're thinking about your highlights and I was talking to him in the context of FOMO fear of missing out this idea that he needs to be at every party and what I was trying to discuss with him is this concept that actually I don't think you'll find any party that fulfilling. In my experience, I've been to some great places. I've been lucky to invite to amazing things. I can't really remember any of them as being significant. I remember um, my wife agreeing to marry me when we were 17 years old. I remember that, that pause where life stood still as my sons were born. And you have a, a window of hours, days where, where nothing else matters. You can you can turn everything off and everybody in the world understands that you just need space for this beautiful child. I remember when one of them got sick and we were worried he was going to die and life paused. If I think back to moments where we connect with the family, it's um, after my, so my son's answer shocked me to the core because we, we don't tend to go on uh, walking holidays as a family, but his best moment of his life, Anthony was standing in Scotland at the same place you did on top of a hill. Mm. When we went first to go and recce, I took the kids with me and we went a very different way and we found it. And I said, I think we're going to run some extreme character challenges here. That was a year, few years ago. And he remembers that as being one of the best moments of his life. Yeah. And, and he said that sliding down in the mud afterwards was one of the happiest he's ever been. And I think all the money and time I've spent to try and give him happy moments, that was the one that was free, 
and pretty much the the effort was was in walking, not in expenditure. And it reminded me of that phrase: if you want to love your children, spend half as much money on them and twice as much time. Yeah. And so I think often one of the pitfalls for us is we start to chase mountains of uh, what things that cost. So I need a bigger house. I need another car. I need this holiday. I need to go there for for these things. I need these clothes. I need to be seen to be doing this. I need to pay for that for those who I need private healthcare. Whatever it is, people start to say these are my kind of gods. I need to retire with these this amount of money. And actually, in my experience, none of that really matters at the end. And during COVID, we saw that people with big houses weren't any better off than people with small houses, yeah. uh, except for, except obviously for the things like garden space or whatever it is. But in terms of like getting out of the suffering, we were all in it and it didn't matter how much you had. And then what happened was we said, let's bubble up with people we love because we can, we, we want to be, if we're going to go down, we want to go down with you. If we're going to survive, I want to survive with you. And I think that's where, as men, again, it's about sitting in a, in a chair for a moment or going for a walk and sit, thinking, who do I want to be with and why? And why mm. am I with the people I'm with? And what am I doing about that? And what are the choices I've made? Another book, as you recommended some earlier, is a, a book called The Choice by Edith Eager. I'd recommend that to anybody. She's an Auschwitz survivor, but a brilliant um empowering message of take, taking responsibility, throwing off the hood of victimhood, of feeling sorry for yourself and, and taking responsibility for where you are and what's going on. And again, I think there's something very appealing about that mm. to say to, to people, you can make changes. You are in control of more things than you realize. But the choice is to decide not to allow these things to become your overarching narrative. So the sense of, of the, the rain falls on the good and the bad. And you can choose to be miserable about the rain that's falling on your head, or you can choose to throw your hood back and decide, I'm going to get wet, but I'm going to march on. Yeah. And there's a sense by which we all have those moments where it rains on us on, on, on the days we don't want it to rain. But it's how we respond to that that matters. Yeah. And for some people, for some people, I know that's very hard. Uh, one of the things that we love seeing on Extreme Character Challenge on the XCC is people who struggle with their mental well-being, mental health. We, we love having guys like that come and talk about that openly. We often talk about loneliness, about suicide about depression. These are big issues that we need to talk about. And some people struggle more than others to throw off their hood in the rain. But that doesn't mean they can't. And it doesn't mean they shouldn't. It just means it's hard. And others of us who find it easier, we can walk with them in that. I've got a very dear friend, very close friend of mine. I speak to him every day. And he struggles with his mental well-being. And we've journeyed together. And I don't. And he says to me, James, do you remember when you had toothache? And it just was in your mouth and it was pounding in your head. He said, sometimes that's what it's like for me. And he said, remember when you had that toothache? And I said, come outside. It's nice and sunny. Let's go for a walk. And he said, no, I just want to sit in a dark room in a chair and try and control this toothache. He said, that's what it feels like sometimes for me in my mind. Mm. Yeah. So saying saying to me little things like, oh, come on, you'll be fine. It doesn't really help. But being with me in that moment, that's what matters. And I think as men, we need to get better at being with each other. Yeah. At saying, I'm actually for you, I'm with you, I'm prepared to give up some of the stuff that I'm doing for the sake of you. So I think these are the, the kind of altars of our life, the, the first mountains, if you like, the ego that says, me, me, me. And then the second mountain, this beautiful idea of the second journey, a different half of life, the falling upwards from Richard Rohr. That part is about saying, what about us? What shall we do? And Mother Teresa said it beautifully, didn't she, that uh, you can do great things. You can do things that I can't do. I can do things you can't do. Together, we can do great things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think there's that call of men saying, should we just stop trying to do things on our own and, and connect? Because actually, if we connect, we might help each other. We yep. might go further together. You could carry my stuff. I'll carry yours and we'll, we'll survive. 
Yeah, Joel's going to tell me off. Keep saying yes all the way through, and but so many things that you know, it's like on the podcast. If I keep going yes, 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 then it's like he says it's better if you just nod. But I'm so agreeing, <laughs> you know. And I think that, that again, you know, some of the things you've been saying, I'm remembering walking along with guys from our church side by side. They say men are often better at walking, talking side by side than face to face, and 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 just to be out somewhere walking along with somebody on XCC, you might get a challenge or a question or something to ponder and discuss as you go along if you want to, if you've got the breath to be able to do so. And 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 in that kind of breaking down of the vulnerabilities, we're able to be open and share in ways that, you know, I think I said to you at the end of the XCC that, you know, I think I'd I'd seen God do deeper things in terms of ministry with men that I've known for years in the church, but we bonded in such a way that I felt that they would trust me and I would trust them with my stuff too, in a way that we could come to church for the same church and I could lead the church. You know, I, they could have heard my best sermons however long over so many years, but I'm not connecting with those men at a heart to heart level, anything like that, just because of of XCC and what it involves in various ways. So you know, I mean, who's XCC for? What happens? How does it work? Why should why should anybody bother with it? Good questions. Because I sometimes think if I was listening to myself or you and me on this podcast, I mean, we're kind of like in the club and we've known each other for a little while. We we're already cheering each other on. I'm, I was especially impressed by the way your son Joel spoke about you. So I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, Anthony, I love you, and you're saying nice things about what we did. And I sometimes think, what does it feel like to listen in on this conversation? The little love in between two guys. And I'm also conscious that sometimes it can feel a bit sickly the whole Christian vibe. And sometimes the whole Christian message can feel a little bit goody two shoes, like, hey, you know, Jesus loves you, so you'll all be fine. And actually the reality is, no, it's not fine. It's actually really hard. The fact that Jesus loves me might help me, but also doesn't necessarily make anything better. It just is a bit of knowledge that I can carry with me. Sometimes he doesn't seem to care either. And that's difficult. Sometimes God seems absent when I want him present. And so I sometimes have this thought of that person there. And if, if that's you listening, I, I've got a lot of sympathy with you. I think we're going to, I don't know, we talk about the church. The church as a representation of who God is, is isn't great always. And there's so much, so many people get burnt by things. But the reality is that doesn't mean God doesn't exist. It just means that we didn't represent him very well. And so when we go outside as men, when we go out into the wild and we ask those big questions again, like, are you there? It's God who answers, not me. I've got nothing to tell anybody to convince anyone because all I'll do is persuade you of something that might rot again in the future or when I let you down or turns out that you didn't realise that I you know, uh, lived here or said that or did this. Oh, I don't like you anymore. So, so now you don't like my values. So now the values have collapsed. Whereas actually if you meet real God, he can't let you down because he's so fantastic and so real and so true and so powerful. He doesn't let anyone down. Uh, what what we get let down by is misrepresentation of him. So we go outside and we go on an adventure. So what is it? It's um, 72 hours in the wild, in the middle of nowhere. Why? Because we don't want to bump into other people that distract us. But also we don't really want to have lots of reminders of the, the tragedy of the valley. We want to take a moment to say, let's pause. It's a bit like a modern retreat in a way, but it's a retreat with with, with a kind of edge. The edge is that it's it's tough. Um, it's not super humanly tough. I would say that any man can do it. 
Um, in fact, we've proved that countless times over the years. But you have to dig deep. You've got to push yourself and say, I want to push into this. And in terms of what's discussed, that's really up to whoever's there. We have some loose themes that we tie things on, but mostly people just tell their own stories, talk about their own brokenness. We talk about struggles with sex, drugs, rock and roll, as you can imagine, but also, as I said earlier, loneliness and depression, anger. But we also talk about the struggle of like, God, what? why is it so complicated? Why is he so so strange, mysterious, so absent? Why is he, why does he um, ask things of us that seem unreasonable? Or why, why is he so different to us? And I guess those are really healthy questions because they're the ones that block us getting to know him. Mm. And part of the reason I think that God's not like me is because I'm not God. So that's quite helpful to remember. But there, is, uh, there are other some weird stuff around that you can read about in the Bible and think, well, what, what's that about? And actually going out into wild places and saying, do those questions really matter still? Or are they the questions I'm hiding behind? And if they matter, what could the answers be? And where could I get answers for those? And maybe do I need answers? Am I stuck, trapped a little bit like the person that will only go somewhere if they know exactly where they're going at what time and how? I mean, many, many men who control every minute of every day of their lives. They know what food's in the fridge, what climate control is in their car. They know how much fuel they've got to go, how far they want. Their phone is fully charged. Their watch is fully charged. Their outfit is perfect for the environment they're going into. And if not, they've got an umbrella in the back. They've got money in the bank. They've got everything they need to survive. They've checked out everything in advance. They know exactly how long Waze is telling them it's going to get there, To uh, how long it's going to take to get there. They don't need anything. And then those guys come to me and say, well, I don't know what God's ever done for me because, uh, you know, I've asked a few more things to add to my list and he hasn't given them. But often a lot of that is about saying, well, if you let go of some of the control, if you step away a little bit from the narrative that you're in charge of everything, maybe you'll find that you're not in charge and that mm-hmm. these things that we want to control are uncontrollable. I think we learned that a bit during COVID. I think we're learning it a lot through life that, There's so much going on that's out of our power. Terrible things are happening around the world. Where's God? Good question. Go and ask him. Go find out. He's there, but often the answer we get isn't the one we want because it's not easy. But when you find that answer in a place that's dirty, muddy, and wet and cold, it tends to make more sense when we're sitting in a controlled environment where it's all optional and you're going to get a donut in about five minutes anyway or a flat white that's being made for you as you speak. I think we're becoming soft to discomfort. And discomfort is a key part, I think, of healthy faith. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, the again, without going into too much detail of it, I think that the way in which the XCC is structured, from my perspective, there's a there's a disorientation at the beginning of it in some ways where you are, oh, you realise I'm, I'm not as in control as I might have ever imagined I am. And there's all kinds. And, and we felt that in COVID. You know, whoever, as we said before, whoever we were, everybody realised there were things that I thought I was in control of. And I don't even know if I'm going to live through this and get through this. And, uh, you know, and then we want to go into control. I mean, I famously ended up like the mountain man. I basically, when COVID happened, I I, I stacked up Bibles, bullets and beans and had, hit, went in the cellar and kind of gave all my kids a survival pack and said, you know, if you have to live in the hills, this might do you for a day or two. Not really knowing what I was doing. But then there's a reorientation that comes and a, and a sense of, well, what is important out of this? And then there's a new orientation whereby, and I felt like everybody, certainly on the, on the coach that we, we came on and, and traveled back on, 
there was this sense of people, guys saying, I don't want to be the same guy anymore that I used to be. And and uh, that isn't because necessarily we were told. You know, it wasn't like you're told you're not good enough. In many ways, it was told you're told you are able. You're more able than you thought. You know, and I, I actually came back literally feeling stronger, even though I was absolutely physically weak. I went and picked up my rucksack off the coach, slung it over my back like it was nothing and walked into the house feeling like, wow. Whereas when I first got the rucksack, I remember picking it up before we went and thinking, oh, I don't know if I'll be able to manage that. And I mean, I said a little picture for me of of the things we carry again in life. And sometimes we've got to be able to realize I can handle this. You know, I, I came back from that and I know that there's some guys again, who physically struggled on our, you know, more than others. I'm 57. It was tough for me. And I'm, I'm pretty fit. I go to the gym pretty much every day, but you know, it, it, it's not, there's different kinds of fit and going up a mountain with something on your back is, a, is, it takes it out of you. But but I think that that I think what I found was I, I was like, oh, can I do this? And yet he did it, and he did it. And I remember sitting on, on the top of one mountain and actually feeling in awe of the guy sitting next to me, thinking, I would have thought at one point, you, you, everybody's had to carry stuff for you. It's been tough for you, but you got here. You didn't check out. You kept walking and you kept going. And and then I get back and I read an article about a guy who's just done Ben Nevis, who's got no legs. And I'm like, oh man, stop whinging, <laughs> you know, about the stuff that you feel you can't do. And, um, you know, there's so many things we write ourselves off from in, in so different ways. And I love one thing I'll say about James, I, I love the way you do this, is that, you know, you nail stuff. You actually do speak very honestly to two men. So if there's somebody sitting there now listening to this and he's kind of thinking, oh, well, it all sounds very good, but you don't know my life, my situation, my circumstances, and that's why I can't. Um, and again, what, you know, maybe you're not going to force anybody to do it. I was never forced. I was invited. But what would you say to encourage somebody to consider coming to an XCC? Maybe to get in a group together from their church as we did so that it's not just you on your own, but together with a bunch of other guys and you build this band of brothers. I mean, we still connect on WhatsApp, the same group, our team connect, you know, really regularly on WhatsApp, sharing prayer needs and highs and lows and all those kind of things. Very honest. So what would you say to to somebody a guy a guy now is wondering about it well a few thoughts really first of all i mean if you're sitting listening to this and you're really struggling in life i I've, i empathize with you i think life is hard and maybe you're thinking well why would i make it harder by coming into a wild place and making it tough for myself and i think that's a fair challenge as well i think for you maybe the the answer is that sometimes a change is as good as a rest that actually another struggle a different battle is as hel- a healthy way of facing your own but also, I think there's a phrase a guy called J. John says, he says, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. And I quite like that phrase. I think the other challenge to people is sometimes, well, what are you, what are you going to do then? Okay, you're not going to do this. What are you going to do? Or are you the guy that sits there year after year saying the same thing? Not that, not that, not that, not that. Okay, no worries. What are you doing with your life right now that's exciting, thrilling, adventurous, bold, wild, and changing you for the better? And if you've got loads of stuff, good for you. In fact, write to me and tell me what you're doing. I'd be interested to hear all the other stuff. But if you haven't got anything, this is an option. It's just an open-handed option. I think that's kind of like the third point is that we aren't telling you what to do, but the reality is we sometimes need to be taken out of our own perspective. We need to have a, 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 a we need to understand that our perspective is both flawed and valid. 
it's it's valid because it's yours it's unique it's fantastic but it's flawed because it's just yours there's billions of people in the world with and every single one's got a different perspective as you seeing the world slightly differently so if you think you can kind of decide what's good or bad for you based on your own knowledge my view would be get a bit of humility around what you're actually thinking life is about be open be curious to what am i missing and could it be that what i'm missing is the solution to some of the things i'm struggling with and of course that makes logical sense doesn't it if you're not well something is creating a sickness so go find what that thing is. Well, I can't find it. I've been looking. Okay, well, then go elsewhere to where you haven't looked yet, i.e. go and look in places you've not been. Go to think, do things you've not done and see if that brings some help. And the reason I speak confidently about this, you know, again, I don't know if we've given an impression. We, we normally take like nearly 200 guys at a time. I've taken thousands over a few years in, in the mountains and we have never, ever had anybody say it wasn't one of the most life-changing things they've ever done. And I don't say that because I think I'm good. I say that because something works. I, nobody's ever quoted me, by the way, back to like, oh, it was this that you did or that that you said. Very rarely does that happen. Most of the time, it's unique things that I could never have organized anyway that happen in a way, even your rucksack story. That's just a classic and beautiful example. We didn't get you to carry a rucksack so it can feel light on Sunday. But when it does, it, the metaphors suddenly click in again and all of the, the kind of concepts just click back together. And so what the reason I offer it is because it isn't really about me. You might not even see me very much. The point is, you, it's about you. You'll be the hero of your own story. You'll come home challenged and changed, ready to embrace things. And so I offer it to anybody openly because it's like free gym membership or like a kind of voucher for all you can eat in an amazing restaurant for the rest of your life. Why wouldn't I offer that with food to you? Here we go. Have this. I think it'd be good. Yeah. And it's the same with that. It just sounds difficult. And some people get a bit tied up with some of the logistics or like how would I get there or uh, who do I go with or who would I meet or how do I take time off work, all that stuff. How much is it? Um, but we've tried to take a lot of that away. So we've made it free to anyone who needs it. And there's a kind of implicit deal in that, that anybody can pay, pay anything that they feel it's worth to get there. So the idea is that if, you're, if you can't afford the 249 quid for four days that it is, which we think is reasonable in itself, but if you can't afford that, for, and there's a lot of people that can't, then you just write to us and say, I can't afford it for the for, because of this. Please tell us why, because we want you to, to be real about your situation. But we'll then say, great, what can you afford? And if it's a pound, you pay a pound. Uh, if it's 50p, you have to pay something because we want you to commit to come. But you have to pay something reasonable based on circumstances. You can come. If you haven't got any kit, we've got kit we can rent you. And if we're really convinced by your situation, we'll give it to you. We, we've got uh, other guys we can put you in a group with who are from your area so they could help you travel there. So all of the problems that you're going to offer me will, can be overcome. The main problem is, are you up for a challenge? Mm. Do you want to be challenged? Or are you happy where you are with what you have? And that's a question for people to answer. It's not for what yeah. I don't know the answer. Brilliant. So I, my diary, it took me a while to be able to get a gap to be able to come on it. But again, a few days away for lots of people is, is something you want to plan for, not just something you could do next weekend. And I mean, I'm personally going to talk to James. I'd love to get involved with one that's happening. Uh, in, I think it's kind of up in the northeast next year, uh, northeast of England, and to go in and try and get a whole bunch of guys from the north together to really uh, make that um, you know work and, and get more Ivy people and more from other churches around here to be able to go. And people who are not even, again, connected to a church yet who might be listening to this and, and wondering about it. So that's something for you to think about. Look on the XCC website. There's various dates and places that it meets all over the country. 
and uh, all over Great Britain, and um, so well the UK, and and I know that it's a worldwide movement too. Um, just want to throw out before we've done a couple of ideas for other resources. Um, one that I found helpful with all of this stuff and looking at men, and again, it's a mountain metaphor. I don't know if you know this one, James, but it's called The Map by David Murrow. And in that one, he's he, he, he forget the first half of the book. He tells a terrible story that really isn't a bit like the Da Vinci Code that's not really worth listening to or reading. And then, But then in the second half, he talks about the journey up a mountain and how uh, he uses that again as a metaphor and says that this is something that's intrinsic. It's written in scripture. It's the journey that Jesus went through, that David went through, that Moses went through. And in various ways, you can fall off this mountain um, by pride. You can fall off it if you're not willing to sacrifice or learn submission. He talks about journeying out of, uh, he says, we all, every man starts out coming out of the feminine. We're all born by a woman. And then he says from there, some men never move away from that feminine and they just stay completely in that feminine. But actually, there's men who journey towards the false foothills, I think he calls them, of kind of toxic masculinity. That's like the lowland where I'm just tub thumping, trying to prove myself, machismo, all those kind of things. But then there's journeys up the mountain that he talks about. I won't spoil the book, but I will encourage you to look at it, uh, listeners, and get that book and, and discuss it together. It's something I've done with some guys in our church about the the, the pathway we, we use to zigzag up the mountain. And it isn't a mountain you ever get to the top of. It's the journey that's important. And he's also the book by the, the guy who wrote famously before this. The most famous book he wrote was Why Men Hate Going to Church which was a really famous book and he actually ended up saying that he wrote this book because he thought people had taken his book wrongly because people had made it that men just need you know you should need to get rid of all flowers in church and you need to uh you know not sing particular songs not and he said it's not about that that's he realized he'd be, you know if he made if he leaned into that too much he wasn't saying that and that you know churches have got to be a balance you know there's there's you know you look at jesus he's the ultimate man who happens to be god and uh yes he was tough enough to hang on a cross but he was also lovely enough to that kids wanted to sit on his knee and be blessed by him and you know this is our jesus and uh james as we wrap up i'd love it if you were able to just pray for us and with us and um and uh and uh yeah that'd be wonderful if you wouldn't mind just leading us in prayer please Thanks, I'd be happy to. I mean, one thing we didn't make clear was that XEC is especially for men who struggle on the with church, with God, with these ideas. We we it's open especially for guys who don't really have an established faith but are open. Mm. And so let me pray for those men specifically now. They might be your lost sons, they might be your lost husbands, they might be your lost brothers, they might be your lost fathers. But also let's pray together for men in this country. Father God, help us to know what it means to be your children. Children of the King of Kings, the one who threw the stars into the sky, the one who leveled land and raised land to make mountains and valleys, the one who cast the water into the seas. This imagery of you, God, as creator, as power. Pray you'll give us humility to submit to you. But also I ask that as we journey together through life, that we will also journey well with each other. That especially our young men 
will find a passion for good things. And our old men will be kind and generous. I pray that you will do something remarkable in this land in returning the hearts Mm. of the sons to the fathers and fathers to the sons. And I ask that you will bless us all because you're good. And that's what you do. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you, James, for being on the Future Church podcast. I've just remembered, actually, there's another book that uh, I would recommend to people called The Man You Were Made to Be, written by Anthony Delaney, um, which is a book for men. It's also available. Uh, that's a, a worldwide book, mostly from Moody. That's the, the latest version of that book, The Man You Were Made to Be, uh, by me. Nothing to prove, nothing to hide, everything to live for. Looks at men and the different facets of our lives and uh, fitness is where we start with finances family failure friends father and how jesus uh, enables us to be the men that god calls us to be and made us to be it's also available in this country in the uk mostly as rough diamonds but uh recommend that as something you might want to get hold of again if you look on the launch catalyst.org website you're going to find special summer deals right now they're not going to be available for long but because of uh, generosity of some sponsors we've been able to drop the prices We've got special deals for leaders uh, 30 and under and also uh, some special deals for teams. So do come and join us if possible. You'll be able to check out. There's amazing speakers, a great gathering of like-minded pioneering types, and we'd love to see you there. My thanks to James Ray. Uh, If you're wondering about XCC, wonder no longer. Get on and book one, and hopefully I'll see you soon at the top of a mountain near you. Thanks for listening to the Future Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, listen back with your team and share it. Further thoughts and resources can be found at antonydelaney.com.